Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Always So Ecological. My name is Ty, and I'm your host. And once again, this is a podcast where I take a moment to talk about things from life, society, and culture from a ecological perspective. With ecological simply meaning consistently logical, truthful, practical, and rooted in Christ. Um, so I have to be honest. Uh, it took everything in me <laughs> not to make an episode uh, the day of the riot at the Capitol or even the day after. I mean, I, I really wanted to make one that day, uh, the day of, but I mean, I honestly just chose to focus my attention on what was happening instead of trying to live stream it. I mean, I really wasn't shocked that it happened, um, but I was shocked to actually see it happen. Um, to see how agonizingly slow the law enforcement response was um, and to watch as people terrorized member of, members of Congress and trampled on a quintessential monument to American democracy um, in order to achieve their political ends. Now, some may take issue with my use of the word terrorist, um, but the definition fits perfectly. I mean, a terrorist by definition is a person who uses unlawful violence and intimidation against especially against civilians, in the pursuit of political aims. Now, the truth of the matter is one person's terrorist is another person's patriot. But the irony is that many of the people who attack the Capitol are likely people who consider Muslims terrorists. That's strange bedfellows, don't you think? Um, and even greater irony, or perhaps hypocrisy, is the fact that uh, these same people were also the ones who decried the Black Lives Matter protests throughout the country last summer. Um, people who talked about um, or who talked so badly about the people who participated in those protests and claimed they were all terrorists, thieves, vandals, or part of Antifa. And here they are in the capital of the United States doing the same things while those who weren't there or who represent them were trying to blame Antifa for it. Now, only accusation and no evidence, mind you. Um, and the whole notion of accepting accusation as fact is particularly bothersome for me. But I also know that conservatives aren't the only ones who um, who have allowed accusation to be enough to prove something is true. What's been called a nation of laws is being shown to be a collection of people who only believe in the law when it suits their pol politics or agenda. Law and order is simply a hollow slogan. Too many people in this country feel like they're owed or own something and have taken advantage of others using their First Amendment right to peacefully protest by using them as cover to express their rage, selfish ambition, and greed through violence. And some are not even in the streets, but they're in the halls of government, using people as pawns for their political agenda while claiming they're trying to defend the Constitution. What makes this even worse as a believer is that too many are also trying to hide behind the shield of Christian values for their violent rhetoric and behavior. Now, if you've listened to this podcast, you'll find that I've been consistent in saying that politics has absolutely nothing to do with Christ. Liberalism, conservatism, left, right, neither has any claim on Christ and neither would he allow himself to be aligned with them. Those who claim Christ are supposed to be a part of his body, 
which is called the church. But what we think of the church today is really it's completely opposite of what the church um, was probably supposed to be. I mean, he said that we are to be different. Now, I quoted that from John 17. We we are not to be of this. We are not of this world just as he is not of this world. Um, He prayed that we would be one as he is one with the father. And so I'm pretty sure his will doesn't include us submitting ourselves to the whims of worldly political parties. I mean, he commanded the disciples to make more disciples, not more laws. And he and those disciples taught us how to live as his people, regardless of our nationality. He never needed fear, lies or manipulation, control to make new disciples, nor did he teach the disciples to use any of that. So I'm pretty sure none of those things are needed now. The spirit, the scripture and our example is what's needed most. But, you know, I think there are a few things we need to be reminded of so that we can free ourselves from the deceit that has caused many of us to fail in a moment such as this. So I'm fairly certain that one thing everyone could agree with, regardless of your political spectrum, um, is that there's a lot of lying going on in the country right now. And um, one of the things that we really need to come to grips with to protect ourselves from deception is who we choose to follow. Now, that choice speaks a great deal about us um, as we generally follow those who we agree with whether in thought or deed. Um, A leader typically will inspire you and help bring out your true nature. They'll give you the freedom to be who you are um, since they'll also bring along others who feel the same way. You'll you'll feel a safety um, in numbers, so to speak. Um, But the problem, though, is that doesn't always equate to moral or ethical things. Now, history is replete with examples um, of leaders in every part of the world Um, and the people who have followed them, who committed heinous, unspeakable acts. And what's common about them is the synergy that exists between those leaders and followers. I mean, it's almost like the chicken and the egg problem. Um, Leaders are emboldened by the devotion of their followers, and followers are inspired um, by the passion of their leaders and their rhetoric. I mean, leaders often tap into something that moves their followers' hearts or fills an unspoken need. Um, But followers give a platform and influence to those leaders that they crave. I mean, that's why influencers are such a huge thing now. But for believers, our influencers should start and end with Christ. Otherwise, we're blinding ourselves and allowing the blind to lead us into the ditch. Now, one of the best examples of a leader that we have in Scripture is David, who, although very flawed, was still called a guy, a man after God's own heart. I mean, he, his struggles are presented without filter. And yet, in spite of them, he constantly strives to walk with God. I mean, David's struggle reminds me of Paul and, and his complaint about the flesh in Romans 7. But in reading David's Psalms, 
you see a clear pattern in David as a leader. I mean, the first thing you'll see is, is that he trusted God completely. I mean, this was proven by the fact that even though he was anointed to be king, he never did anything to bring himself into power, even though um, Saul gave him plenty of reason and opportunity to do it. He honored God with his life to such a degree um, that he never allowed himself to despair at Saul because he knew that Saul was king until God removed him. Now, that same attitude was present even when David became king. I mean, David cried out to God for help rather than trusting in his power as king. He could have had his enemies killed, but didn't and did all he could to extol the virtues of God things that should be seen in his chosen king. I mean, again, he wasn't perfect. I mean, he failed miserably with his dealings with Uriah and Bathsheba. And it could be said that he allowed his resentment towards Shimei, um, who was a man who, who mocked and ridiculed him when he was, when he was chased away from, um, from Jerusalem. I mean, he allowed that bitterness to, to get the better of himself at the end of his life, but his devotion to God caused him to walk in a way that caused Israel to prosper. Now, once you fast forward to the end of Israel and exile, you'll find king after king after king who didn't follow David's example. And you'll also find the people falling away just as quickly. I mean, is it any wonder that the, sec- that the coming Christ that the, that the Israelites believed in and were looking for um, was believed to be the second coming of David? who would restore the Davidic kingdom. Now, as believers, we have plenty of reasons to be cautious about who we follow and have the perfect leader in whom to put our trust. Um, But many of us have chosen human leaders who demonstrate little association with God, um, who don't resemble him at all, when we should serve and be a reflection of, of, of God himself and of David. I mean, we follow people who speak grand and swelling words, um, but who live contrary to them. Uh, We choose to follow people whose lies are so plain that a lie detector would just display, really. I mean, we choose to believe the lies because they are in alignment with the worldview that we would rather live in instead of rejecting them and holding on to reality, even if it's not what we wish to see. And while President Trump aptly fits this description, Don't be fooled into thinking he's the only one. While some other politicians may not be as conspicuous as he is, um, there are many who are just as deceitful, but who are just that much better at hiding it. I mean, if there's any credit I could give to President Trump with um, the way that he lies, I mean, it's that he's always been consistent. And, you know, personally, I prefer those who show their true colors. I mean rather than those who hide it. Um, So let's be honest. It's not enough to support President Trump's policies and reject his behavior. I mean, like I said in in the episode Means and Ends, the results can never justify, excuse, or absolve the means we took to achieve them. And let's just be honest. We're not protecting God's name and reputation when we do things like that, when we allow our words and actions um, to go opposite of his will. I mean, if we are if we say that we're one with him and yet walk in agreement with sin, we're telling the world that God is fine with sin. And that is one of the greatest deceptions of all. For believers, 
We look to the second coming of Christ and his kingdom. But we deceive ourselves if we believe that we can follow both him and Satan. Or follow someone whose life shows that they are anything but a follower of Christ. Whose life, whose actions, whose words tend to be more anti-Christ than Christ. And, and as scripture says in, in 2 Corinthians 6, what harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? The answer is none. Now, to piggyback off the last thing, um, let me say this. Believers must also recognize that we have to be very mindful about what we choose to believe just as much as who we choose to believe because that's what will determine our behavior and the leaders we choose. I mean, as I said, most people end up following someone who says things that fill a need or, or fill empty holes in our lives or who shares common beliefs with us. I mean, the problem comes when we allow our beliefs to be subsumed by clever words and charismatic leaders who use fears to exploit us. Now, one thing that I love most about Christ's ministry is that he was truthful and true to scripture no matter what. Sure, I mean, he could be a little obscure with the lessons he was trying to teach, um, but that often separated those who were hungry um, to listen and hear the truth from those who weren't. I mean, he was also very sharp with those who claimed or should know the truth, um, but whose lives didn't reflect it. I mean, he like I said it before, and I, I probably said it a little bit more aggressively than than I wanted to or should have. But Jesus really did not like self-righteous people. Um, and so he was very sharp with folks like that. But that was simply because of who he is. He is the truth. So any hint of untruth within him was impossible. That same kind of mindset should be a facet of all believers, of anyone on this earth. Those who believe should follow and walk in truth just as earnestly as David, simply because Christ is truth. Now, many of us have allowed ourselves to be caught up in human beliefs and traditions that make the distortion of truth a fundamental part of it. I mean, I already mentioned in the first episode how politics uses lies or what may be called spin um, in order to influence, uh, to inflame passions and stoke fears. But now I want to talk about conspiracies and conspiratorial thinking because it's so prevalent in society right now. Now, I don't want to get into any specific conspiracy, and I'm pretty sure you already may be aware of a few. But, but the thing about conspiracy theories that should be problematic for believers is the fact that truth is never required for them. All of them espouse the possession of some hidden knowledge or hidden truth that only their adherents have access to. And all of these conspiracies do the same thing. Target very specific fears and biases while giving every believer of them a community of people who affirm those fears and biases. The lack of facts and empirical truth um, should be enough to ignore conspiracies. And, and that had been the case at one time. But people have become so inured in their disgust, fear, and hatred of their political opponents that they're willing to believe and espouse anything to demonize and marginalize them. 
or anyone who doesn't agree with their agenda. That lack of fact and truth opens them up to constantly seeing conspiracies everywhere and in everything, no matter how logical or fanciful it may be. And adding a religious component makes it even more dangerous. I mean, it's it's living in a world that's divorced from truth, facts, logic and critical thinking for the sake of indulging base emotions and unrestrained passion. And these things can and have been exploited by those who want to accumulate or remain in power. I mean, if you will believe anything, there's no incentive for leaders to do anything other than continue to distort the truth for their purposes. And that can lead to the very things we saw at the Capitol or even during the BLM protest this summer. Now, do I think everyone who participated in the attack is wicked? No. Do I believe that those who participated in our claimants of Christ are false believers? Again, no. And it's not really my place to judge their hearts or their or their claim. Now, some people are just wicked and some people, yeah, their confession isn't real. I mean, scripture is clear. Not everyone who calls on his name is truly his. But what I do believe is that there are many people who are very passionate about their beliefs and concerns, but have allowed their faith to be hijacked by wicked people. I mean, they've allowed themselves to become political props and puppets. Now, why do I say their faith was hijacked? Well, for one thing, to believe in many of the claims of conspiracies, you have to give a measure of faith to it. Now, again, conspiracy theorists don't bother themselves with truth and simply choose to focus on the ideas espoused by the conspiracy. What quote unquote truths they do find are based upon blind trust in the people that participate in the conspiracy um, or and especially in the leader or leaders of that conspiracy. I mean, another thing is confirmation bias that plays a big role as it provides signs or testimony to the veracity of the conspiracy, regardless of the serious leaps of logic to make them fit. And finally, when needed, I mean, all, all that comes are just more lies that are used to further enmesh people in the conspiracy by explaining away any issues that should cause people to start questioning things. There's no such thing as accountability when you blindly believe anything. And as believers, accountability is tantamount to our faith. I mean, it's nearly impossible for you to recognize when you've caught someone you blind believe in a lie just because you so badly want to believe everything they're saying. Now, not only do you want to believe it's true, but you start rationalizing ways to maintain and perpetuate the lies for yourself. It's like a bastardized version of the faith in Christ. Honestly, I sometimes struggle with my faith when I see things that happen in the world. I mean, I found myself asking, why does God allow certain things to happen if he truly loves us? Um, why does he allow so much wickedness um, when he has the power to stop it? You know, those kind of things. I mean, it becomes even harder when sometimes I've endured things that are just out unfair. Um, when when I get caught up in the unhealthy and unrealistic exercise of comparing my life and my quote unquote righteousness against others who I feel are achieving a level of success I'm nowhere near achieving, but their lives. Mm -mm. Now, I don't really think I'm alone in these kind of thoughts, but when I go there, I'm often reminded that God gave us authority over our lives. I mean, yeah, there's much evil and wickedness in the world, but guess what? I control what I contribute to it and what I do to alleviate it. The world is invariably unfair, but I have the power to make it a little more fair 
by how I treat uh, someone else or, or, or what I do to help someone else. I mean, the world can be cruel, but I can be a vessel to allow the love of Christ to be demonstrated, even if I may not receive it in return. I mean, yeah, there may be injustice, but I can dedicate my life to bringing justice by being honest and truthful, by walking in the character of Christ and with grace, by working to call out injustice when it's there because Christ is, a, you know, Christ is a God of justice. Now, think about it. If all of us who are created and called by his name would do our part, then I wonder just how much we could change the world for the better. Now, don't get me wrong. The world has a very clear, defined trajectory. And if you're a believer, you know that trajectory. And I know that no matter how much believers may walk in his will, that won't take away evil and wickedness. But it just might give someone who is hurting and searching for truth a reason to find it in Christ rather than in the world and in the deceitful lies of conspiracies. I mean, when you put your faith in Christ who embodies love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, you can be accountable. You won't have to despair and be panicked over wickedness because you allow yourself to see his work in and around you more than you see the evil in others. You can rest assured that he is sovereign and in control of everything, even though it appears we're sailing through the middle of a storm. You can trust him with all your heart, not depending on your own limited wisdom and understanding, but walking in his truth and character, knowing that he will direct your life. You know that even when you make poor decisions and mistakes, he's already promised that he will work even those things together for good because you love him and know that you have been called into relationship with him. You don't have to be afraid of the things you don't know. All of the plans of the wicked and evil, they won't come to fruition because he promised that he will not allow them to ultimately succeed. And even in your darkest days, when your fear grips you and surrounds your every thought, he promised that he will walk through that valley with you and see you through to the other side and better days. The same God who was able to declare the end from the beginning is able to accomplish everything he promised and plans. The thing is, we don't have to panic and step out of his will in order to help him. I mean, those are just a few of the promises for believers that we have, but we have to put our trust in him before all others, his truth before anything that people may try to convince us of. No political party, law, ideology, or any other human belief can guarantee you what he does for his people. And we can't allow ourselves to mingle what the world believes um, with what we believe in the, from the pure tr truth of scripture. I mean, the enemy would love nothing more than to hijack your faith and cause you to put it in anything or anyone other than Christ. But I encourage you to resist that and believe that he, the enemy, will flee when you resist him. Keep your mind fixed on Christ and on the good things because when you learn more of him through prayer, through prayer, um, through study and surrounding yourself with other believers who refuse to have their faith co-opted, um, you'll see how that deception falls away from your eyes like scales. I mean, you'll no longer 
will need to be led by the blind into a ditch of destruction and violence because Christ will always lead you to the way of righteousness and peace. You won't have to be afraid because you'll know he's with you and with all those who call upon his name, even in this wicked world. So I encourage you, be careful of who you choose to believe and what you choose to believe. Because those two things will lead you either into the will of God or away from it. We need to walk as a body of believers in the way of Christ. Our lives should reflect him in every way. And even when we mess up, even when we fall short, even when we sin, how we respond to those things should point back to our love and our honor of Christ. Because when we do, we demonstrate something that this world does not see often, and that's the will of God. Thanks again for listening. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, If you've enjoyed what you've heard, um, I would ask that you would subscribe um, and share the podcast with those that you know, whether it's friends or family, Um, or people you think would uh, benefit from a little bit of clodging. And, you know, hopefully I will put out another podcast next week that won't have something that happened um, quite like what happened um, uh, at the Capitol on Wednesday. Unfortunately, there's a possibility of more violence, and I'm truly praying and hoping that those who are believers, who are truly believers but who are deceived right now, would be able to escape. But if not, I trust that the Lord has a plan and I trust that plan is perfect for them. So once again, thanks for listening. Have a great week. Take care. And I hope to see you again next week.